You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Stories That Sell. I am your host, Scott Ramage, and I have with me today, Seth Crowell. Crowell, however you want to pronounce it, we'll, we'll discuss it later. Uh, he is the owner of Sage Strength in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He is a strength and conditioning coach. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to Seth today. And this is going to be a little unique uh, episode because Seth is very local. This is a very local business. So if you're a regular listener, I want you to just kind of tune in to the things that he does that could absolutely relate to your business. Because this guy has been around for, in the strength and conditioning world for at least nine years as a business owner. So he's got a lot of time and experience under his belt. Welcome to the show, Seth. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, you've actually, um, I, I checked out your website. I really love what you guys are doing. So I, I'm really looking forward to digging in and, and hearing more about your business. What I found over the years in working in, um, the fitness industry is everyone thinks everybody's business fitness business is the same. Like yeah. all strength and conditioning gyms are the same. Sure. All CrossFit gyms are the same. Um, no, they're all super unique and there's so much we can learn by just listening to what other people are doing. And especially someone who's been doing this for as long as you have, I mean, there's definitely a differentiator between, you know, the four year folks and the nine, 10 year folks. So sure. Uh, why don't you go ahead and just start out by kind of telling us a little bit about your story, your origin story. Why are you a strength and conditioning coach? What brought you to that place? What brought you to opening your business? Let's just lay the whole thing out, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny you say nine years because it's like I've never done anything besides this. I kind of became a coach on accident, but we'll talk about that in a second. I grew up, in fact, the view, my view out the back right now is the pool that I worked at as a kid, I was a lifeguard. I taught, uh, I taught swim lessons so that I, I was a coach at, you know, 16, just for pocket money over the summer, teaching kids how to swim. I, I, I didn't take a course. Don't tell anybody this. It's just, it was back in the, it was back when, you know, it was, things were just different then. You didn't take courses for everything. I didn't take a course. This was a 16 year old swim team lifeguard kid who parents were like, I don't want my kid to drown this summer. So we teach him how to swim and I would do, you know, lessons. And so I was just a coach from the beginning. I, I never did anything different, but I didn't grow up working out. I played literally every sport you could think of at some level, some more competitive than others, but I have played everything, but I never really grew up very fit. I was pretty unfit, actually very skilled, never very strong, never very powerful, never very fast. Um, I made most of my money in lacrosse, which was my competitive sport and just out thinking people and play into my strengths. So I got to play a little bit of lacrosse in college and was literally, and I mean this literally the least fit kid on the team. I would, <laughs> I, was a, I was a midfielder, which is the guy who runs back and forth right. and back. And I would, I would get lapped by attack and demon on running drills. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I would get lapped. Um, I'd stay after practice. I'd do more running. I tried to improve. I wasn't not, I wasn't unmotivated. I just didn't know what to do. And I didn't, I just wasn't a very twitchy athlete growing up. That kind of post freshman year of college was for me, the kind of reckoning of like, all right, well, I want to start doing something. I don't know if this can change or not, or this is just who I am for forever. And that kind of led me to start working out after freshman year college for the first time ever. And as I transitioned from being a competitive athlete to being a normal dude who's just trying to be fit and still play some pickup sports every now and again, I just started, I mean, honestly, I just started training my friends. I started working out and kids I went to high school with were like, hey, man, 
what's happening to you? Like you were not the fit kid in high school. So something you're doing is working. Can we come work out with you? And I just, instead of joining a gym, I bought gym equipment and filled up my garage. And I just, I would work out and my buddies would work out. And I just became a coach. I knew kind of, kind of then after I started working out within the, probably the first six months that I wanted to coach people. I didn't know I had already been a coach and swimming and swim team and all of those things, but it's just what I wanted to do. Um, I tried to work in a couple of different gyms after school. When I finished my degree, I changed my degree. I was majored in exercise science. So I got a degree in exercise. Um, and I tried to work in a couple of gyms. I never would have been a business owner in my life. Like it was not a goal of mine. It was not a dream of mine. I just want to be a coach. I just wanted to help people get better. But no matter how many gyms I worked in, like it's so true what you said earlier, like all fitness businesses are so different, whether they're the mega businesses, you know, LA fitness, YMCA, or whether they're, you know, micro gyms like mine, everyone has like a niche and everyone has a way that they do things. And that was just really difficult for me, to be honest, to, to be told, like, this is what we're selling. And I was just like the, the purist in me that just wanted to help people was like, why can't we do what's right for the person in front of us? Like, why do we have to be something? And that kind of forced my hand. I used to tell people literally uh, like new members, like I'm handcuffed into owning a business. This is not a, <laughs> this is not a choice of mine. I just want to do what's right for people. And so in that, I knew I wanted to work with a lot of high school kids and a lot of high school athletes because that was the thing that I missed mm -hmm. before I got to college was like, I was good enough, but I never had the physical talent. And if I would have had it before college, things would have been a little bit different for me. And so being that I'm from Winston-Salem, being that, you know, we, I played high school sports here. I just wanted to come back and be a smoother transition to come back to where I'm from and start coaching kids. Um, and that's kind of what we do at Sage for the most part. We write a lot of individual programs. We do a little different model than you would find at almost any other gym, but I'm sure we'll dive into that yeah. at some point. Yeah. So I, I always am very curious to kind of find out how the transition from, I don't want to be a business owner or there's no intentionality behind it to I'm sure. a business. And I've heard this a lot, like no one was doing it the way that I thought was best or that right. fit my personality. Was there an inner struggle or like this time where you're like, do I really want to do this? Or were you just all in because you wanted to deliver this so bad? Yeah, I think most things in my life that you would look at and call accomplished um, have I've been pushed from the outside harder than from the inside. And that's, that's where I value coaching these days. I mean, honestly, I have my own coaches in almost everything that I do now because having someone else look at you um, objectively and say, like, this is probably what you're capable of and this, you know, maybe you shouldn't focus on fixing that weakness. Let's double down on this strength. Yeah, internal struggle, I, I 100%. Never, never wanted to be in business by any means. Didn't have, have no clue what I was doing. I mean, no clue whatsoever just love, love being a coach. I love exercise and I love learning and we've had to figure out everything else kind of along the way, huge, huge struggle, but it's good to have people in your life that will look at you honestly and encourage you. Yeah. Realistically, everybody needs encouragement. Such a great lesson in there about using yeah. others to help you. Sure. Um, when you first started the business, first of all, that would have been what, uh, 2013. Yeah. And then um, you did the math faster than me, obviously. Well, we, <laughs> we, have it on, we have it written on t-shirts, you know, it's a little <laughs> <Okay>. different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2013. So did you, you're, you're at your current location now, which we're going to talk about a big move that you're making. Was that your original location where you're at now? Yeah, we are in the very first location that we've ever been in. Uh, we've never expanded like two now in terms of square footage, we've just constantly reorganized the gym and try to make it work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the, when you first started and, and okay, I'm going to do Sage fitness. What were the biggest hurdles? Who were your biggest supporters? And did you have any dream crushers at that time saying, don't do this? 
I don't think anyone ever said don't. I think people maybe maybe this is a more a more big picture thing, but I think entrepreneurship in general is like very uh, idealized at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, people would call me an entrepreneur. I'm like, no, nah, I'm a small business owner. Like, there's a big difference, you know. I own a, I, I own a small business. I love owning a small business. Like, um, I think for me, it's just. It, most of my life has been mental barriers more than, more than anything else. Um, just that I can still remember vividly right now, the first time somebody handed me their credit card and said, all right, I, I want to sign up. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like <laughs> somebody's going to believe in me. Like that was, that's how I felt, you know, I was like, okay, I now have a responsibility to like, not just to my community in general, but very specifically to this guy who's standing in front of me, who, you know, is a police officer and really needs his fitness to do something really important. Mm. Um, yeah. So just, just a lot of those like mental barriers where I, I believe I know how much I know and I definitely know how much I care, but sometimes it's hard to like fully realize yourself um, just internally. So most of most internal probably struggles more than anything else. And then yeah. just back, back end, back end stuff is difficult. Do you think that working through those internal struggles helps you as a coach? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I am very still much like, I very much believe in consistently putting myself in positions that make me feel insecure because it's really unfair to me. If I forget what that feels like as people get started working out for, for whatever reason, fitness is very, very intimidating for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, work, working out, walking to a gym that's not filled up with, you know, tons of machines and things like that. It's like, what do I even do? Um, it intimidates people. And if I forget what it's like to feel insecure or to be bad at something, like I'm not bad at working out anymore. Um, and as an adult, you don't really ever have to be bad at anything if you don't want to be. Like you can just avoid it. You can just leave it alone. Yeah. You don't have to touch it at all. And people regularly come in like I've never worked out before or it's never worked for me and they feel bad at it. Um, Even kids that we work with come in, feel like I'm the, okay, me, I'm the unfit kid on my lacrosse team. I'm good at lacrosse. I might've even won MVP that season, but I'm the least fit kid on the team. And it's really important for me to remember what those things feel like in my environment, because that doesn't, being afraid of, you know, pain in the gym or discomfort in the gym is just not real for me anymore. So I, I need to constantly put myself in those situations and other aspects of life. I think that's just a really good general uh, lesson in general for anybody who's wanting to grow sure. it continually yeah. grow is, is put yourself in areas and you, you use the word insecure, which I think is, you know, a lot of people are saying get disc- uncomfortable, like, yeah. you know, run into discomfort, but I think insecurity might be one of the greatest discomforts for most people. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've kind of pulled a tagline for, for years, like personal tagline, like my life goal is to steal as much insecurity from people as possible. Like, oh, that. It's like life, life goal is like how much insecurity can I take away? And you do that with encouragement for externally, but also by showing someone what they're capable of. And that's the beauty of getting stronger and lifting weights and getting fit is like, like this combination of encouragement from external sources and like internal accomplishment. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that changes people's lives. It does. All right. So let me, let me ask you a question that's kind of burning in my mind as okay. uh, as a gym owner who really understands people's insecurities and just the fact that walking in the door can be a horrible experience. And, and usually just that even the thought of walking into the door of a place yeah. for the first time for many people keeps them from even starting. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you have any strategies or practices in place to really help people comfortably walk through that door and and take their first steps? Yeah, absolutely. We, first and foremost, we don't do like free trials at our gym. Uh, It's not something that we throw people into like, Oh, cool. Just come work out with us. Let's see how it goes. We, every, every person who comes to us first is like, all right, you want to start working out? Great let's back up one step and let's actually talk about your goals. Let's talk about what you want. Let's talk about what you're looking for. Let me, let me just get to know you a little bit. Let me see if I can help you. I really take those 
initial calls very seriously, like I'm already this person's coach. What can I give them right now? And we lay out a whole plan uh, before anyone ever starts working out, before they give us any money. It's like, this is my recommendation based on your goals, based on your life stresses, based on where you're at. You probably need this many days of working out per week. You need this type of training. You're going to need to potentially make these types of sacrifices if you really want to achieve your goals. Those are, that's that first call. Like We just take it really seriously. We try to be a coach before anything ever happens. And it's kind of, if it kind of gets followed up, like now, if you're interested in having someone lead you while you do that, like this is what we do from there. If someone decides they do want to move forward uh, with our program, they, everybody gets screened. We've got a 15 point, um, some people call it assessment, but I prefer the word screen because what we're chasing is one, we're screening for pain. We're trying to find out, is there any pain in any normal human movement, like normal movements that we need to either avoid right now, uh, or that we maybe need to change your routine for a little while until that pain goes away or potentially, you know, suggest that you see a physical therapist for a little while. That's a real thing. We get clearances, especially with our athletes. We get clearances from PTs all the time um, before people start working out. So 15 point screen where by the end of that 45 minute session, I pretty much can tell any athlete kind of where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, where they're missing some mobility. If they've got some posture stuff going on, you know, where their imbalances are. and after that, their next session is also completely coached. I mean, it's one-on-one regardless of we have, we have kind of two courses of action at our gym in terms of training, regardless of which course they choose based on their goals, their next session is like one-on-one personal training inside of the program. And by this point, they've talked to three of our coaches already. So they've gotten, you know, an hour long session with three different coaches. So when they start actually coming in for their official program, they pretty much know all the coaching staff. They've been around the gym multiple times. They, they, they can feel a little bit more at home uh, instead of just being like, yeah, great. Sounds good. Come work out. Right. Yeah. yeah. I see that a lot. I see a lot of gyms like come do a free workout. I'm like, Oh, like yeah. you might be getting somebody who, uh, I mean, you're just missing a large group of people. Speaking of, you know, you, you, you just kind of talked about, you, you talked about two different things right now. So kind of want to uh, kind of rein this in a little bit. You talked about athletes working with high school athletes sure, and, and insecure, and I'm guessing probably secure. And then you've talked about people fresh into fitness. Um, really, what is your, who do you serve? Sure. So we kind of, Specialization has always been difficult for me, if we're just honest. And we, we really serve two populations. I think mostly because the gym is just so off of my shoulders right now. You know, I didn't start working out until I was done playing competitive college sports. So I was going off into my real life and trying to learn, like, what do I do for my fitness? But I was also like, man, if I would have had this before, it would have made a huge difference. And you see that split in our gym. You see the split between uh, competitive high school athletes, like trying to get to you know college scholarships or already have college scholarships and they're prepping for it. And you see just normal people who work out. But I think, you know, for us, we call it a gym for people with goals, you know, people who, act, who really want to accomplish something, not just to work out every day and kind of like, well, this is what I do. I show up at the gym. You know, we, we expect people to set goals. We expect people to have goals and to be pursuing those things. But we do consider ourselves an introduction to strength and conditioning for most people. We, we don't get a lot of people who have worked out a lot before. We don't get a lot of people who are really comfortable in a gym setting before. Now, those could be 15-year-old high schoolers who are like trying to learn how to properly move a barbell or you know, how to you know, like actually brace their core or they could be, you know, ex college athletes who never got access to strength and conditioning while they were there uh, or just regular people who are trying to, you know, figure out how they, how to balance out their life at a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest. 
So you're, so when did this idea of um, we're a gym for people with goals, I, I actually really, this, this really intrigues me because, you know, it's super simple to say you're going to do goal setting sessions and assessments, and then you just sure. come in and you're just working out. Right. So how did that come kind of come to light? I'd also want to know like the origin of this assessment. Is it something you made up or did you pull from different areas? I'm sure. very curious about these, these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, when I first opened Sage, I did a lot of personal training, never dreamed it would happen ever. I expected, you know, we teach group classes and just be a, be a gym. We had a high school stream edition class. We had separate classes for normal people. And then my personal training just blew up. Like it just, I referrals. And then I got to the point where, you know, I had two choices and it was work more hours or only train people who could afford me. And I really didn't like either of those choices. Those I have a big struggle with only deciding between those two things. And that's where our, our kind of current model came from. I needed to be able to write more programs for competitive athletes without having to meet them every day in person to make sure they got through their workout. They didn't need me to hold their hand and count their reps. They needed a program for their sport. They needed a program for their goals, for their body type. They needed the decade of strength and conditioning I've been writing to be a resource for them but they didn't need me to be there every time. They didn't need a coach to be there. They needed someone to be there to help them pick the right weights to make sure that their form is okay and all of those things. So what we started was an individual programming model. And so our gym is very different than the way a lot of gyms work. We have two offerings. Essentially, we have a general program. We call it Gen Pop, And then we've got individual programming, which is custom written programming for anyone, but predominantly we see athletes use it. And one of those two things, one of those two programs is how people work out at Sage, but everyone comes to be told what to do. Nobody comes in to figure it out or, or, or do whatever they want. Uh, everyone comes to be coached and everyone who comes to Sage is willing to be told no. You know, they want a coach uh, in their corner helping them. So with individual programming, what happens is I can put all of the years of exercise writing that I have to use for competitive athletes. And then I can rely on my coaches to be there and help them get through their program, make sure that they're doing it right. What that does for our clients is probably what we should talk about. It increases the flexibility of training, personal training, Personal training to a lot of people sounds like the epitome of working out. Like I have a personal trainer. It sounds like if you have a personal trainer, it's the best option for exercise. And that's not really the case. It's, it's not really true in my opinion as a guy who's just done a lot of personal training, taught a lot of group classes and written thousands and thousands of programs um, regularly with all my PT clients, even though they had one-on-one -on -one time with me, um, there was just something missing. Part of that is flexibility. Once I stacked all of my, once I stacked all of my schedule with clients, I'll tell you a story. Tennis player calls me at 10 30 AM. She's got an 11 o'clock appointment says, Hey, I'm not going to make it. Uh, the car won't start. Can I come in at 11? I said, no, I've got an 11 AM already. Like I can't see you then. What about 12? No, sorry. I can't see you at 12. Um, well, can I come at one fifteen? Like, no, I've got, I'm full. Like my schedule is full. Like she's like, so what am I supposed to do? Just not work out today. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, this is how personal training works. And she was playing. I mean, she was the second ranked female tennis player in the state at the time. Like that just doesn't work. Like you just don't miss workout sessions right. when you're taking your sport that seriously. And so we needed to offer more flexibility to our athletes without dumbing down their program at all. And that's, that's what our individual program model does. We think it's better than personal training for most people, realistically. Yeah. So you're writing individual programs and then how are, how is that being carried out in the building? So if someone uh, who hasn't done fitness in a long time, 
wants to start and they're really intrigued with like, wow, I'd love to have customized like yep. just for me only, but I'm not going to have a coach standing there. You already said for the first while there's someone side yeah. by side, there's one-on-one. -on -one. How does it look logistically? Sure. So we consider it like a semi-private training model. So we've got a cap for a number of athletes that'll work out on the floor at a time with a coach. If there's going to be more athletes scheduled in that time, we'll have more coaches on the floor. For us, that looks like one to six usually. So no more than six athletes on the floor with one coach. And if there's going to be more than six, there'll be more than one coach there. So it allows people to have the upsides of personal training, the small talk, the accountability, you know, the someone waiting there to know that you're supposed to have a session today, all the good parts. But if you're supposed to be there at 10 a.m. to work out and you get there at 10.05, you're not late. You didn't miss anything. You didn't miss five minutes of the warm up. You start your workout. You can work at your own pace. We have people who, you know, 40 minutes in and out. It works for their life. It has to work for their life. And we have a lot of people who want to spend two hours training and it's, I mean, their sport is their livelihood. I mean, we, we have a handful of, you know, division one collegiate athletes that we train the, the idea of, skimming through work the idea of the most uh efficient workout possible doesn't make sense to them like it doesn't register right so i'm um i'm intrigued about like how because someone could be very very fresh and maybe a little obese and not know any movement is there any um hindrances to that type of population in this in this model no no we don't have any hindrances to that you know some people will finish their screen and will say you cannot you're not ready for our general population yet you need custom training but the thing about custom training is i can write workouts that fit any any current fitness level uh, you can you know, I think the, the word most people use for it is scale. You can scale anything, you know, make it very simple, uh, very straightforward, and you can make anything progressive. You can make any exercise more difficult, uh, depending on the person who's standing in front of you and having the ability to not just when somebody, a lot of gyms do it this way. That person walks in with very little experience. They have a coach on the floor trying to figure out on the fly how they make a change with no plan. Right. I, I need to, oh, you can't do this movement, but everybody else is going to do this movement. I need to make sure I give you a movement you can do. I can actually sit at my computer before that ever happens and think about this person as an individual and say, what do they need right now after they've been through the screen? And so they can come in knowing that their program was designed for where they're at currently and knowing that there's a coach there to help them get through it. So uh, we actually have an advantage when it comes to people like that um, over a typical, like, I'm going to show up today and then see how things go. Mm -hmm. Rely on the coach in front of me to make decisions like at the last minute to make sure that my workout goes okay. So let's talk about, obviously, with um, growth, you have to have a kind of like a scaling mindset. And we talked, we've kind of jumped into that a little bit, just on the, on the downside of personal training, like a one-on-one -on -one and how that yep. is very, very limiting. Let's talk a little bit about your staff, who, who is in that building kind of filling these roles. And um, yeah, I just kind of want to, I'm just curious if you would want to kind of brag on some of them for a bit. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we, we're maybe lucky is a good word, good word to use. We're really lucky that most of our staff have been around for forever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have trainers who have been with us for a very long time. My wife and I have a huge role inside of the gym. She is our client advocate. She just actually finished a meeting with one of our clients because we take checking in every few months very seriously to redefine goals. Are you going the right way? How's your program going? So my wife is like the, the hub in so many ways. And we're just like a family type business. I mean, we're, we're small business owners, man. That's all we do, you know, and we, we want to be scale is important and, you know, our private lives are important to us, but this is what we want to do with our lives. Uh, it's not our goal, like a lot of strength and conditioning coaches to just climb our way up the ladder and separate ourselves from our community. Um, so my wife is our client advocate. She handles 
um, you know, intros to the gym, phone calls, she checks in on people. So we literally have a role in our business purely assigned to making sure that our people are being taken care of. Uh, that's uh, first and foremost. Um, our, our, one of our primary coaches played uh, NCAA Division I football. He was a seven-year professional indoor kicker um, and then ended up with us just as a general training client now that he's got a real job. And you know, over the first six, eight months of his training, ended up stronger than he ever was when he was in college or playing professionally. Um, and healthier than he ever was when he was in college or playing professionally. And when we had a job opening, he was like, Hey, you, you think I could like maybe be a part of it? And it's, you probably know it just as much as anybody else. It's, it's, it's beautiful to have staff who like really buy in yeah. and, and not, not just because like there's a paycheck at the end of the day, but because like they were paying for it first. They like when your coaches want to train in your environment, like you're, you're probably doing something right. So, um, and we have a, a full-time office manager, Pam as well. So the roles that like get taken at Sage for the most part, you know, you know, people, everybody has, everybody has their role, I guess is the best way to put it. And, you know, and I live this life. So this is not a knock on any gyms. I lived the life for years and years and years was like, I was, you know, trying to be client advocate and head coach and clean the floor. And that's people honestly don't get served as well that way as when you put people in positions where they can really exceed. And, you know, that's our goal now is with our staffing is to like find people who are really great at what they do, really love what they do, and then, and then put them there. And that allows me to handle a, a lot of the coaching because that's what I love. Actually, I only ever wanted to be a full-time coach and I get to do that more now than I ever did. Truthfully. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R-gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Yeah, and that's really what I was kind of hoping to hear. I think a lot of time, a lot of gym owners will, and you know, if there's some listening, I hope they're hearing this, they'll take that coach and they'll say, Hey, would you do X? Would you do this? A little bit of this. It's no big deal. It's just going to give you a couple extra hours a week. Yeah. And, and really what happens, I believe is that they lose energy from doing those and they're not sure. really be able to give the best of what they want to give. And I love it when an owner of a business is doing and working inside of their working genius, like sure. you started from coaching. And you still want to do that thing. And then having one person with that eyeball to eyeball touch, you know, yeah. this, in this case, your wife, I don't, I think that's like an, a non-negotiable for, yeah. for successful long-term business. That's a non-negotiable. Your best marketing is referrals and how you yeah. get referrals. You got to love on your people. Yeah, so, for sure. Wonderful. Um, okay. Let's talk about the new and exciting things happening. You've been in yeah. the same building for nine years and, uh, I known for a while you're 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 upgrading to yeah. a bigger facility. So I want to I want to hear about that, but I also want to talk about the why and the how sure. and the strategy and the thinking behind that. Yeah, yeah. The we've needed pre-COVID, we were pretty de desperate for more space. I mean, we were busting at the seams. Obviously, COVID changed the landscape of a lot of people's business. Uh, getting, we were, you know, forcibly shut down for six months, like non-operational inside of the gym for six months. So, you know, that, that set us back a little bit, but we had needed the space for a while. We're getting really close to being back there, but the right now part kind of goes into other parts of our, uh, just of who we are as people, our, uh, my wife and I's church actually bought a shopping center. 
Um, and they're going to move the church into that shopping center. They're renting out spaces there. Years ago was a, a, a gym in that shopping center. Um, it's been, I don't think anyone's used the shopping center in a decade. So the time, the time that we've been open, no one's been there. And so we had a, a kind of unique opportunity as people who do want to impact our community to move from a pretty high-end shopping center that we're in right now into like a part of town that really could be renovated and needs to be renovated. And we had the, you know, we were, you know, we just had the opportunity to upgrade our space. There was a gym there already, locker rooms, mm -hmm. like, we're renovating it, but full locker rooms, full gym space, all the rubber was in there already. I mean, that's, Ooh, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a big deal. That's a lot of, uh, that's, for people who don't know, rubber is not cheap. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. So to, to kind of expand our space, do a little bit more, um, be able to offer more to our clients than we currently can. I mean, our, our current space is 3,600 square feet. We probably have 2,400 square feet of usable fitness, like gym floor. That's 40 by 60. I mean, I've got people, we have members with garages bigger than that. And we, we get a lot done in that space, but it's going to be really nice to have, you know, 7,000 square feet of, of gym floor and to be able to offer multiple things at a time instead of, you know, just this is, we can do, we can teach this class right now and the whole other gym gets shut down or, we can have open gym and the whole other gym gets shut down to be able to have a gym that stays open all day and still be able to teach courses, you know, um, conditioning courses, uh, technique courses without shutting everything down, have dedicated warm up space, a cool down space. It's a, it's going to really change our business and we get to, uh, be a part of, you know, we hope transforming a part of our city at the same time that has been, you know, really uninhabited for a very long time and so we get to kind of attack two birds of who we are you know with the same stone yeah i think that's really cool the the kind of the what do they call regentrification -gentr of an area yeah. like bringing it up sure. um, and and the fact that you're kind of partnering with uh, your church and yep. then you have these extra opportunities you're already going to be surrounded with a community you're already familiar with um uh how do you think that'll affect your, your current clients? Um, our current clients. The amount of resources that will be available to our current clients in our new space um, will far exceed anything we ever could have done in our current space. Mm -hmm. No matter, I always struggle personally. You're probably, I, I have a feeling you'll resonate with this when I can see what something could be and I can't bridge the gap to get it there, it's really frustrating for me. Yeah. I, I really don't like like, well, this is good enough for now. And that's where we've been, you know, in our current space, this is good enough for now. Like we, we have this, let's make the best of it. The, you know, what we'll have, I mean, even we currently have two private bathrooms, a men's private bathroom and women's private bathroom. And if somebody locks the door, the bathroom's locked. We're, you know, we're upgrading to full locker rooms, men's and women's. We're going to have four different changing rooms that uh, will all have locks outside of the locker room. So someone can just come in, change clothes and walk back out on the gym floor without having to go into the locker room and go through all those extra steps. Um, it just little things like that will make a huge difference. And then space, like we just want, like people underestimate the value of space, um, like not just equipment everywhere and and people all over the place. I mean, we're running hot right now if we have 10 people in the gym. I mean, yeah. that's that's a lot for us currently. If 10 people are doing individual programs at the same time and then two coaches on the floor, like it's it's fun. Don't get me wrong, the energy is really nice. Uh, but it's it's it'll be it'll increase the ability for people to like our current clients to to be able to train the way they want and need to train, you know with the space they need to be able to work out in. Um, like I said, I mean, most people could duplicate all of the equipment that we have in the gym in their garages. And there's a reason people don't do that because they need accountability, but also because you just undervalue space, man. Until you walk, 
you know, on top of a mountain and look out, you're like, you forget how important space and just like the quality of the environment is when you've got room to breathe. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, from personal perspective, I'm really looking forward to, you know, a new drive to work and, uh, you know, not living in the same box again, you know, that yeah. I haven't for the last couple of years, which will be exciting. Nine years in that size. Uh, I believe that was the size of my gym. Uh, as oh, yeah. well is almost, almost identical. Sure. And you know, it, it could get crazy and you're right. The energy is really cool, but then the question becomes, how can I serve more people better? Sure. And, or, or how can I serve the people I have even better? And it, right. it yeah. So, uh, to somebody who's, who's listening, like, man, that sounds really awesome. I want to, <laughs> I want to expand. Um, let's talk about some of the headaches that come with that. I, I actually don't know if you've had headaches, but I can't imagine you haven't. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think first headache, number one is just timeline, you know, getting your timeline, right. Is a big deal. Having two, uh, two rent payments would be not a good position to be in for most people's businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, that, you know, and that doesn't include utilities, like getting stuck in something like that. So getting your timeline, right. Is really important. If you're thinking about moving, you know, not just winging it and thinking about like, okay, well, I need more space. So let's, you know, take your time and negotiating leases, in my opinion, is a headache. I'm sure there are people out there who love negotiation is not, not for me. Um, you know, and then I am a textbook, actually, probably a, a lot of gym owners will, will uh, know how I feel. I'm a textbook, like I could stand and look at the peanut butter for like 20 minutes in the grocery store and they're all the same and just decide on which one's going to be the best one. You know, I, I want, I, I, I like, which one do I really want? You know, as a guy who constantly reorganizes his gym and, you know, tries to get things in the right space, having a completely blank slate to look at again is so exciting and also so overwhelming just to like, where do we put things? Like, do we, are we going to put it in the wrong place? you know, what's exactly the right spot for this piece of equipment? Um, how do we want our new gym flow to go coach as coaches, even, you know, how do we want our athletes to flow through the gym, through the gym? It's, it's really nice to dream, but, uh, you know, it's, if left unchecked, it can become a headache as well. I'm laughing at so many things you just said. Um, when I, I sold my gym, but when I owned it, people would always ask me, why I was redoing it. And it was always that search for the perfect flow. And yep. every iteration had a new element that I was like, that's it. Yep. But there was always something to change. And a lot of people didn't get that, but I believe actually the my ideal client was always like ridiculously thankful. Like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I'm so, yeah. so glad you did this. I also think there's sure. a standard of, and this is me, a standard of cleanliness that happens when you reorganize. You have to constantly yeah. be on your toes and make sure that, there's yeah. not clutter and things look good. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's absolutely true. You know, you got cleaning up after moving things around. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's real. That's real. Yeah. And I just got super excited about the thought of, of designing, you know, multiple thousand squares of feet, but uh, uh, it's also like, Ooh, yeah, that would consume me for about two weeks <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then ongoing forever. So I totally hear it. Yeah. The logistics part of it is, uh, is, something that you, you just really got to play out and make sure the timing is right and negotiations. We've all been through those and those are, sure. I don't find them fun either. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's, let's pivot just for a few minutes. I want to talk okay. a little bit more about Seth himself. Um, we'll talk okay. about Seth as a business owner. Um, sure. So uh, just a few questions, like what do you do to keep yourself and you already actually you already answered this what do you do to keep yourself on top of your game as a business owner i'm curious uh how i you, answered that already you said coaching. <laughs> yeah I, I love to coach i love i i do i have to rein myself i'm a i'm an introvert i'm not an extrovert i'm i'm the dude i will run into you at the grocery store i'll know who you are and i will not come talk to you like <laughs> i just came here to get groceries yeah doesn't you know um, but I do love giving myself away. Um, I love like having a chance to have an impact. It's a really, really big deal to me. So it feeds my soul has to be kept in check to some degree. You know, I have to have time to just kind of step away and recharge. And I'm, I have always done the best at working out by myself. Like that's mm -hmm. just like solo 
time, alone time in the gym, like no one else there. It's just me, um, you know, finding times to kind of, kind of pull away, but coaching really, you know, helping someone get better at something is, is super recharging for me, no matter what it is uh, to the point that again, specialization can become really, really difficult when you're just like, ah, I would help someone get better at digging a hole if they wanted to really talk about the best way to dig a hole. Like mm. I just, I I'm really obsessed with, you know, finding better ways to do things in general and being re- as efficient as possible and, you know, bringing being able to bring that into the gym setting is, is super fun, especially when you have really kind of high level athletes who, um, are they're nitpicking their swing they're nitpicking their throwing technique their stride um the angle at which they might hit something uh it's it's fun to get into like the physics side of things of sport as well wow that's awesome um what do you do to learn new things what's your what's your favorite way of learning like you know how am i gonna improve my business or or yeah well i'm i'm a sucker for youtube like, um, we can learn anything on YouTube. I'm a, I'm, I love to deep dive into, into topics in anything, YouTube reading. I'm a doer though, when it comes to like really learning, I just gotta, I gotta waste time on stuff to get really good at it. Um, there's a, I just talked about efficiency, but if you, if you really want to get good at something, you just got to get your hands in there, like pretty often. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I used to really push that side of myself down, like obsessing about things. And then I read a book called Saw for Happy by Mo Guadet, which if you haven't read, I strongly suggest it. Um, he's an engineer, works for Google X, the part of Google that uh, tries to solve problems that don't exist yet. How do we get the whole world Wi-Fi? You know, things like that. Um, they dream for Google, literally. And he wrote a book on happiness, but uh, from an engineer's perspective, and he just talked in his life this isn't so much connected to the theme of the book, but he would just deep dive on subjects for years. Like he would take a year, a year of his life and he would deep dive on one subject and try to get as good at it as he could. And it had nothing to do with his job, which uh, was really fascinating to me. I just kind of always thought that really trying to get really good at micro things would always kind of hold me back. And once you have the time on your side, that's not so true, you know? Um, once you've like really mastered something, you know, even if it took you a long time to do it, anatomy and physiology is a great, a great reference point. You know, there's a lot to learn when it comes to anatomy and physiology, when it comes to training and understanding those things, but it doesn't really change over time. The investment that you put in as a coach to understanding anatomy and physiology and learning about the, your bones and your muscles and all these things, like that never loses interest because the, the body doesn't really change. So, you know, I, I'm a, when it comes to learning, I just, I, I get really into things for a little bit and then try to get really into something else. Hmm. Just broaden your experience. It's really good. And so YouTube's a big tool for you for obviously. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, all I'm video, I like to watch things. So like all video YouTube Skillshare. Um, when it comes to business things, talking to people, I think is one of the most valuable talking and hearing people talk. I mean, let's look at podcasting in general, right? Um, hearing other people's experience, talking to other people, getting other people's objective opinions on like what's going on or like, what, what should I get good at? I, um, I think maybe different than a lot of people and I'm willing to ask people around me like, Hey, if you were me, what would you really start trying to get good at? Mm. You know, will you like, will you objectively look at my life and be like, what am I missing actually? Um, not just like, don't tell me what I'm great at. Tell me like what, what's going to, what you think would advance. When you get their experience, their understanding of the world and an objective opinion of yourself, you know, if you're willing to kind of reach for those things too. Yeah, that's good. Uh, It's always really hard to ask other people, like, what do I need to improve at? But it's the best way to grow. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, this is a lot of humility that has to be brought to the table when you do something like that. Um, It's really hard to find people who are actually 100% honest, too. So that's got to be a skill and an asset you have in your corner as well. Right. Yeah. 
Okay, a few more questions. Um, what's yeah. a daily thing that you do every day? Like that's a non-negotiable. I was just talking to my wife about things I needed to do every day. The other day, I was like, I need a list of things I need to do every single day. Um, or what would you like to do? Yeah. No, it's, you know, <clears throat> non-negotiables for me every day are, are private time, truthfully, like one-on-one -on -one time to, to think or to pray or to read, like time where... Um, it's just, you know, it's just me. Um, almost suppressed to like a, a, you get a, you get a unconscious reset button at night when you go to sleep, but almost like a conscious reset button. I think are for healthy set are non-negotiables. You just, you got, you gotta, you gotta press your own reset button or your nervous system will press it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I know that for sure. Yeah. That's good. All right. So the last thing I want to ask, and it's, it's kind of a silly question, but I ask everybody because it's not right. a reality. Uh, if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice, what would that be? Does this piece of advice affect my current life? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's huh. such a weird no, question. No, it's like, um, I, I mean, truthfully, like, it's like, if I were going to go back in time and, and offer myself any advice, I'd probably just tell myself to start investing. Mm. Like, I've yeah. had a job. I've had a job my whole life. I could have easily put put away a hundred bucks a month or two hundred bucks a month and just forgotten about it. Um, I, if I was going to tell myself one thing, I'm pretty content with how my life has turned out, even with mistakes. I probably wouldn't try to fix any mistakes. Um, I would probably just be like, "Hey, man, put a couple hundred bucks away a month. Forget that it exists." Like throw it in a big index fund and just move on with your life. That, yeah. that, that would probably be the only advice I'd give myself. I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. I love it. It's really, it, that's the one reason that question is silly is because most people like you wouldn't be where you were at if you had that advice. Like there's just, there's a yeah. lot of learning and, and things that come with, with going through things. So sure. Seth, thank you very much. Uh, like let's talk about your location and your website. Give us all the details on that. Sure. So we're in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where our new gym is moving just a couple of miles down the road to where, if you're local, where Yakinville runs into Renolda. Um, <laughs> our website is sagestrength.com, Instagram handle sage.strength. Uh, you can kind of keep up with anything that's going on there. And if you're listening to this and you're interested in getting started working out or in a, you know, essentially a free coaching call, you can just go to our website and, you know, fill out the form, just name an email and we'll set something up. Um, there's no strings attached. We're not like pulling for anything. Just uh, see if it's a good fit and, and kind of, if we want to move forward after that, it's an option. It's awesome. Thank you very much, Seth. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.